0: The benefits that lie in the opportunities in compost application, I think it has the potential to fundamentally change the way we interact and produce landscaped areas.
1: You're listening to Cool Compost, a show about scaling commercial opportunities for the good dirt. Proudly brought to you by the New South Wales Environment Protection Authority. G'day, I'm your host Edgar Greste. And in this series, over five episodes, we'll explore the diverse ways the compost industry is growing and innovating and how you can benefit. As New South Wales transitions to a circular economy, more and more food and garden waste is being diverted from landfill, instead being recycled into quality compost. What's driving this is the New South Wales Waste and Sustainable Materials Strategy, which aims to halve organic waste to landfill and achieve net zero emissions from organics in landfill by 2030, paving the way for compost production to ramp up. In this series, we talk to experts on the ground about the benefits of compost to the landscape and your business. We'll also hear from innovators who are using technology to transform the way compost is being used across a wide range of industries, all to help you take advantage of this growing opportunity. Landscape design is a major element of property and infrastructure projects. Green spaces and corridors are designed to replenish the shifted landscape, increase urban heat resilience, encourage communal spaces, and meet sustainable outcomes and targets. While not all infrastructure projects have a landscaping element, those that do are often substantial in size and need significant amounts of soil, and compost offers an advancement to the current business practices. So in this episode, we'll talk to a consultant about how compost could improve your project's overall sustainability rating, and we'll hear from a housing developer that's leading the way in sustainable suburbs.
0: My name's Mike Twemlow. I am a sustainability consultant at Edge Environment. We were working with the EPA in a collaborative research program looking at the benefits of applying compost to the built environment. So the initial stage of the project was really looking at the the opportunities in the market, um, both in the built environment, so property, and then also the infrastructure. So anything from railroads to big highways, looking and engaging with the market there to understand their appetite in applying compost to land and what the current practices are at the moment.
1: There are many different factors at play when it comes to business as usual, from finances to philosophy, So how do we create change in the industry? Well, Mike used his New South Wales EPA grant to better understand how the industry operates.
0: Currently the business as usual practices revolve around utilising recycled soil, which is the soil that's excavated from the project and then treated and returned to site. Um, And generally that soil is void of any nutrients due to that process where they are killing off all the pathogens, Um, as well as that the, the soil is dry Um, It's almost concrete in the way that it compacts. Um, It's hydrophobic, so it's very hard for water to sink into the soil. So business as usual is is definitely a, a major barrier to changing and implementing new practices such as compost applications.
1: Across both the infrastructure and property sectors, there are a range of stages for all projects, from tendering and design to construction and operation. And through consultation, what Mike found was that there are opportunities for compost across all the stages of a project to not only meet technical requirements, but also make a practical difference.
0: So we pulled together some of the key players, uh, particularly the two major rating tools uh, in Australia, which is the Infrastructure Sustainability Council and the GBCA, which is the Green Building Council of Australia. As well as those two key players, we brought in some major organisations in the two Uh, built environment areas, so Landcom, um, Lendly, some of these major players to understand what their practices are at the moment, if they're using compost at all, and if they are how and where, and if they're not, if they had any appetite to do so. No matter what the scenario is, there's a benefit to applying compost to land, and the outcomes really were split into two different benefits, the holistic benefits and the project-based benefits. The holistic benefits are more to do with what's happening on the on the soil level and on the biological level within the soil profiles from increased water holding capacity, more micronutrients, better plant health and growth and then there's the project benefits which are benefiting whoever's doing the work itself. So that could be from the higher level impact of diverting organic waste from landfill all the way to saving on costs to do with fertilisers as well as the environmental effects of the the trade and and purchasing of fertilisers and pesticides itself. You're really curbing against using those by applying compost.
1: As part of the New South Wales EPA grant, Mike also conducted a compost trial on an infrastructure development site using side-by-side comparisons.
0: These were a control, which was the business as usual practices of uh, recycled soils. Then there was the second transect which was an application of 15% compost and then transect C which was 30% compost and we monitored that the soil profile through quite advanced soil testing uh, every month and then also visual assessment so what the plants themselves look like and how much were they growing in comparison to each other the key findings really revolved around i mean the the, the major takeaway was the death rate so the control site which had the standard practices there was a 22% death rate um, of all the plants versus just a four and a two percent death rate in the two composted um, soil sites so we also expected that to continue because as we were monitoring there was um, visual uh, cues of disease and most likely from a lack of uh, nutrients, so poor nutrient availability in the standard soils uh, versus the composted soil, which sort of had, uh, it, when we took photos and compared them of the same species, there was a real visual difference in sort of the the plant health of the, the green and the sort of vigorous nature of the plants themselves. So not only in leaf count, so how sort of sparse the leaves were, um, uh, it, was, it was really quite obvious what the compost was doing and we also expected that to continue. So we imagined that the, the, the plants would continually die off in the control.
1: So what are the factors determining this survival rate of plants in the compost trial site?
0: I mean, it really came down to three key mechanisms. That was the increased macro-aggregate stability. So that's resistance against external forces such as water erosion, shrinking, swelling, droughts from all these extreme fluctuations in temperature that the Sydney region has and is gonna continually feel over the coming decades. Um, There's increased phosphorus and nitrogen levels, which are essential for plant nutrient uptake and growth and then also there was these uh, really obvious um, it was quite a cool experience to see coming to site because after periods of rain there was almost a clear line between the two transects where the compost started and the, the compost wasn't in place because these mushrooms would grow. And uh, that's a really exciting field of science in in the soil uh, world at the moment about this interesting relationship between the mycorrhizal network in exchanging nutrients between the soil itself and the roots of the plant, which is really where all the, uh, I guess, fuel for the growth and health of the plants is.
1: Climate resilience is a strong driver behind the use of compost, and the trial demonstrated how setting up healthy foundations leads to successful plant growth.
0: The benefits that lie in the, uh, in the opportunities in compost application really come down to it being a one-off application. Um, you're really sort of z- stepping away from constant, constant maintenance of the landscaped area, of the plants and the soil itself. There's really the, the water retention possibilities is up to three times as high as standard practices. So there's less need for uh, water regimes from the landscapers themselves or from the owner of the household. Um, And then also there is the drought resilience as we move into the next decade of climate change. I'm sure we'll see some more intense droughts. So sort of strengthening the soil and the plants resilience to those uh, inevitable droughts. Also, there's the, the economic savings, so the landscapers themselves don't have to continually monitor water and potentially apply pesticides and herbicides to those plants um, to encourage the, the sort of healthy growth of that soil and, that, and those plants.
1: Compost addresses a number of issues across the property and infrastructure sector, from the holistic on-ground benefits to broader project benefits. Globally, there's an increasing focus on sustainability outcomes, largely driven by pressure from consumer demand and corporate social responsibility. And in line with this sentiment is the New South Wales government's Waste and Sustainable Materials Strategy, which includes initiatives and regulation that aim to drive a reduction in carbon emissions. One piece of regulation is that combined food and garden organic services, or FOGO as it's known, will be mandated for all New South Wales households and select businesses by 2030 bringing attention to the importance of working towards a circular economy and compost is a big part of that.
0: Compost is a really great window into what the circular economy is all about and that's really biomimicry. It's bringing back these natural cycles um, into the way that humans interact with the the world and the environment itself. So I often say that once you compost there's there's no turning back because you realise how much food waste there is. And how beneficial it can be. The social benefits is something that I'm really excited about particularly because as we move towards uh, recycling food and organics and it becomes part of a daily practice ensuring that people see the tangible benefits of what compost can do in their backyard in a native strip in a council land or driving along a highway you really encourage people to start doing the right thing and putting their food waste out of the general waste and into the compost.
1: Mike sees compost as a tangible pathway for individuals and businesses to be an active part of managing our waste. And in the property and infrastructure sector, waste is not only a challenge to be solved, but a solution to be celebrated. One developer addressing this is LandCom, a state government property developer delivering sustainable and affordable housing. Paul Himberger is their sustainability and research manager.
2: So I look after all things that essentially come across the environment, so biodiversity, waste, water, carbon neutrality, climate risk, um, all the big topics you see about in the news. Sort of falling with my remit, um, I also look after our research, how we drive innovation across the industry and how we can use our position between industry and government um, to really leverage really good outcomes. We have a remit to deliver affordable housing, and to be able to do that, we need to find cost-effective ways. And so if we can save money, it in turn means that we can deliver more affordable housing. And so there's a lot of elements that sustainability have, and compost is a really big component of that. A lot of what we particularly see with compost is just people's perception. So, I think firstly, breaking that barrier of perception through education um, is, is a really good opportunity to show people the benefits, show people how it works in practice. Um, but I think also demonstrating the cost effectiveness is, is a really important bit of, of kind of getting that message out and getting it, that uptake. Using compost and infrastructure projects have immediate benefits across water, waste, biodiversity, and carbon neutrality, and it also improves uh, our response to climate risk. Like any new or innovative way of changing an industry, I think there's always a little bit of hesitancy. Is this going to cost more? Is it not going to work? Um, am I going to be on the hook for something? And so, particularly with Landcom's position as an industry leader and as that nexus between industry and government, we can take that chance um, and we can trial out and demonstrate the practical applications of things like compost to show to the industry that it can work.
1: Companies like Landcom and others in the sector making these changes are being driven and rewarded by the two major sustainability ratings tools.
2: The green industry rating tools and the green industry in general um, have a really big role to play. um, And I think they're very important into the property sector. Um, Green Star has been one of the most impactful and powerful organisations across Australia over the last 20 years. We at Landcom encourage uh, and moving forward, we'll have all our communities Green Star certified. And what Green Star does is a few different things, um, in particular in Australia, is it pushes the industry and it signals to industry that things need to change. Um, But it also rewards uh, individuals and property developers and others for making that step. And so as the tool evolves every couple of years, it it takes on board the latest science, the latest initiatives, and it rewards projects and, and proponents for doing better with the environment. And so certainly something like composting feeds into biodiversity outcomes, it feeds into waste outcomes, it feeds into reducing uh, waste across the spectrum. Uh, Water efficiency is a big one. Um, And what's really great actually is is Green Star is now focusing, I think actually the globe is focusing at the moment on biodiversity. Uh, we need to halt biodiversity loss and anything we can do in the, in the early stages, whether it's construction operations, landscape, but then also caring for our communities after the fact and, and doing maintenance. We need to reforest, we need to encourage vegetation to grow. And the innovative products that are coming out and are being tested and piloted give that landscaping and those ecological communities the best chance to survive and thrive. Um, We know trees planted in the medians of roads, um, you know, about 25, 30% of them die after five years. It's just the way that it has been done over time. And so I think that needs to change. And, And composting and recycling organics and giving them just that little bit extra natural ability to to thrive is going to be really important. And the fact that, you know, Green Star, LEED overseas, um, some of the other industry rating tools, rewarding that and seeing that certainly means um, that it's arrived and and that the need for it has arrived. And so if we can do anything to help shepherd that process along, I think that that's really important to, to signal that out to the broader industry.
1: Global trends are driving change in Australia and looking towards Europe, compost is playing a significant role in infrastructure projects.
0: Part of the initial research into what's happening in the market was looking at what's happening in the international space. And like anything in the sustainability sector, the EU is always a great place to look. And they actually have a body and a strategy in place where any large-scale landscaping project has to, by law, test the soil profile to understand what the current organic matter percentage is within that soil and if that organic matter is below 2% they are actually required the the company doing the work is required by law to um, ameliorate the soil with an additive and that additive in the first point of call is always compost so it's really I mean they've had BOGO recycling happening for quite some time. And it's a a really good um, best practice example of how you can encourage demand for sort of the inevitable supply that's gonna be coming to New South Wales as we move towards 2030, particularly with the New South Wales government's waste and sustainable materials strategy. With that, we'll see Every household, every council and select businesses have the access to food and organic recycling from a curbside collection, which will in turn, drastically increase the supply of compost and therefore reduce the cost and obviously increase the availability of it because there's going to be such a surplus of compost. The possibilities really are endless, not only from these big scale projects like the airports or highways or railroads, but also down to sort of the micro scale of these green spaces, whether it's parks, landscaped areas next to houses, like like the area behind me. Um, I think there's a massive opportunity to really make these green spaces healthier, more vibrant, um, which is obviously a really important part in uh, societal health.
2: I think my message to the development industry would be we need to change the way that we view sustainability and the way that we view delivering developments because there's a growing chorus of community and other stakeholders that we we come across and and just people that are demanding action and they're demanding change and we need to be responsive to that. There are things that we can do today that can improve carbon emissions, that can improve our our waste, can improve the health of our waterways and our green spaces and really our whole lives. And compost is is an integral part of that.
1: This podcast was produced by New South Wales EPA. Thanks to all our guests for their support in the production of this series. And for more information about the speakers in this episode and other useful resources, make sure to click on the links in the show notes. And to find out about other innovative ways that compost is being rolled out across New South Wales, visit circularag.com.au slash compost. That's circularag.com.au slash compost. Thanks for listening.